Let's face it, in today's world with so much competition out there, we are all trying to be better, trying to compete, trying to get that next promotion at work, or heck, trying to run our own business, right? To do this, we're going to need a certain skill set, a certain fire, a certain edge that can really set us apart from the rest in life and in business. On this episode, I explain how. Welcome to the Strong Society Podcast. I'm Anthony and there is no Ashley alongside me today. So yeah, just me on this episode today, writing solo, but I'm hoping I don't put you guys to sleep and I'm going to do my best not to, but this episode I really wanted to bring you, as it says, episode 10, the seven habits of highly effective people. Now, if that name, that title sounds familiar, it's because it is a book. It's a book by Stephen Covey. It's a highly, highly recommended book by many companies out there. And for me, back in my in my younger you know, leadership days. It was one of those books that was super, super inspirational to me. And, and I still have it and I re- refer back to it um, as often as I can, especially when I'm having certain kind of, um, you know, hurdles, challenges that I need to kind of overcome. But essentially I wanted to bring you these seven habits directly. Now, why does it matter, right? Why does it matter to be more effective as a person, as a leader, whatever the case may be, you just it, being effective, it goes back to our decision making. You know, we're better with people. We're able to constantly evolve and adapt as the world changes, the marketplace changes, you know, all that good stuff. And, and we're able to be several moves ahead. Think about it. You know, if you're, if you know somebody who is more effective than somebody else, chances are they have qualities and traits that really stand out. Um, another great thing, you know, obviously, us all working, being able to be promoted at work, you know, look at your supervisors, they got to their position, having certain qualities and traits, being more effective than others, and they were the go-to person when they got promoted, so we should all want to grow, and, and whether you're even trying to get promoted at work, want to grow as individuals, want to grow as people, and be able to be more effective at what we do day to day, so quick little disclaimer this is not a book review i don't want to put you guys to sleep again i don't want the whole kind of stigma this is a book review episode it's not a book review guys so what i'm going to bring you are these seven habits because they are so easily you know um, able to be written down remembered and then practice as we kind of go forward so i wanted to kind of throw in that quick little snippet there but i think it's um, a pretty awesome segue into it but i want to give you all a quick story so for those of y'all who do not know my history back in 2016 working with planet fitness and a franchise group of planet fitness called xl fitness i was promoted to a regional manager you know i was a knucklehead at that time kind of learning a lot of my of my failures along the way and kind of learning those lessons along the way but i was stepping into a regional manager position that was responsible for six different locations in Austin, Texas, um, overseeing 12 different managers. And of course, those managers had their team of 12 to 14 team, you know, team members. But um, but um, the reason I wanted to bring this story up is because 
at that time, I lacked leadership expertise. I lacked leadership knowledge. I lacked being an effective person and a leader. And so what I did have was, you know, I had the training down. I, I had the grit, you know, the, the kind of the, the, I would say the basic kind of duties, right? But you go, you step into a role like this and lacking these effective traits, they really taught me a lot of lessons. And some of these lessons were how to speak to people, right? How to be a master of those tough conversations, to be able to step into difficult conversations, put your emotions aside and be able to have that conversation come out in a positive outcome. Um, also taught me how to problem solve, how to plan ahead using established principles that are based on precedents that I still use today. Um, there's, there's a poise that comes along with your experience as a leader where a lot of the things that you encounter, you've, you've encountered them before. And so you have this playbook in your head of how things have been done to overcome this challenge and hurdle that that may be stressful for other individuals and so i was able to gain a lot of these effective traits and and practices along the way um but you know those lessons taught me how to not be so caught up in the minor details and how to not be so tunnel visions going into work especially in a leadership position in a manager position as we're going to speak on there are bigger things to focus on. And, and if you're focused on such the small details that really don't play to the bigger picture, it's almost like there's there's bigger fish, fish to fry, excuse me. And you wanna make sure that you are focused on those big things. There's bigger fires to put out, as they say, don't be focused on such the small things, AKA stop micromanaging on the small stuff. And I had to learn that the, the hard way. And, and of course, kind of going into all these these tough challenges and lessons I learned, they they really helped shape me as a leader as I grew um, with the company and and uh, was with them for nine years and it was an amazing experience and opportunity and and I'm blessed for every one of those situations because they all taught me you know how to not only become a better leader but how to become a better man as well. But we'll dive into a lot of um, the habits and traits that were acquired, which you'll see in these seven habits that can really help shape you not only as an individual, but as a leader, as a manager, if you are in a company that has that type of responsibility. So we'll definitely dive into that. But with that, guys, let's dive into these seven habits of highly effective people so that you all can go on your way to becoming masters at what you do. But um how Stephen Covey outlines this book, I think he does it beautifully. He really starts the book out talking about paradigm shifts. So essentially, as we've talked about in our earlier episode, the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset, we all adapt and evolve as individuals or should be. And we go through these mindset changes and, and it's kind of ways of thinking. And so he wanted to really start off with that paradigm shift. So understanding that um, and I've highlighted a book in the past, what got you here won't get you there. Understanding that what got you to this point, the traits, the mindset that got you here, it's not necessarily gonna get you there. And so being fully aware of that is what he wanted to kind of lay out in the first chapter. But how he breaks up these habits, habits one through three, he talks about us coming from a dependent stage. And if you think about that, being dependent on others is is not the way to go. It's not the place that you want to be in life, right? We don't want to have to always be 
depending on other people. Now, now working well with others, which we'll talk about, that's a huge skill set. And so don't confuse being dependent on someone as the same as being a team player and working with somebody. So it's very, very different. But we don't want to stay in the dependent stage. And so this is uh, where we're at right now. So let's think of this as a, I think he has a chart in the book actually, but think of this as a pyramid or, or some kind of chart, right? We're on the bottom dependent stage. So habit number one is be proactive. Now, as we all know, there's a big difference between being proactive and being reactive, right? Proactive is you're having a few moves ahead, you're putting a game plan in, in motion, you're kind of foreshadowing and, and foreseeing what could possibly happen. Being reactive is you're just waiting for it to happen. And so as, as we like to say, you're putting fires out all day, um, you're waiting for things to happen to, to you rather than having a game plan and having those contingencies in place. And so I'm pretty sure we've all been in those situations. Maybe we're currently in those situations. We know people in those situations where, you know, they're always late or they're they're never proactive with certain tasks. Um, and they're always kind of waiting for something to happen. Right. I think we as leaders and managers, we've probably worked with many individuals who might be standing around and they need a task given to them, which is not, that's essentially being dependent, right? They're dependent on us as their leaders to give them a task. And that's not where we, where they should be. And that's not where we want them to be. And so being able to practice proactivity and being proactive in those situations is basically us saying, you know what? I'm self-motivated. I'm able to go out and figure something out in the workplace if that's where it's at just figure something out to do that's going to move the needle in the right direction that's going to help my team in the right direction that is being a proactive individual and i'm, I'm sure we have a million examples that everybody can give of a time when someone wasn't being proactive right and a time when people were being proactive so i'm um, thinking several moves ahead is is such an, uh, an effective skill set and um, trait to have. And I'm not sure if some of y'all remember or have seen the post recommendation that we gave in the past, but one of our top book recommendations is Your Next Five Moves by Patrick Bet David. And he basically talks about this, about how, be, how to be a master planner, how to be a master uh, strategic uh, individual as well and how to essentially be a grandmaster of your mind. And, and what he's kind of getting at is, is basically a complete opposite of being reactive. He wants us to be able to think one, two, three, four, and like a grandmaster in chest up to 12 moves ahead. But as we go from habit number one, we jump to habit number two, and this is begin with the end in mind. And, and to backtrack just a little bit, guys, we are, we're from this dependent stage, but if you notice what, what Stephen Covey puts in the book is that these are personal victories. Habit one, two, and three are personal victories because they're things that we have to get corrected internally before we're kind of stepping into the next stage and kind of leading into that independent stage and being able to work with others and all this. We want to make sure that we're establishing these personal victories within us first. And so habit number one, be proactive. Habit number two is begin with the end in mind. Now, ask yourself, like, what is my North Star? What's my mission? What's my vision? What's my purpose? Where do I want to go? What are my yearly, monthly, weekly, and daily goals that, that we have set for ourselves, right? Without purpose and direction, guys, we're basically running around clueless. 
we get caught putting out fires as we just mentioned and and that's that's a recipe for disaster and and essentially you feel like a like a pinball sometimes just just bouncing around and and we've all been there guys um not beginning with the end in mind we've all had those moments where we just wake up and we're kind of just rolling with it we we're out the door we haven't even set our agenda for the day we're going to work we're clocking in and we're just saying hey okay what what's there to do what what task is next now if you think about it guys that's a direct example of being reactive that's not where we want to be so being proactive is essentially lining up your day making sure that you got all that situated before you leave the door that way you're you're making sure that your day is lined properly and it folds out that way too but I mean, a couple of personal examples that I always remember is, is you know, even going to the gym, right? If for me, for, for some people out there, they can go to the gym, they can wing it, they can still have a have an awesome workout. For me, it's a little tricky like that um, just because I'm really big on visualization. So I want to be able to write out my workout, visualize each thing, and, and it provides to that mind-muscle connection for me personally. And so I have to be able to write my workout out. So that way I'm going through, I'm going through this workout, I'm checking everything off and it feels, I feel like a sense of accomplishment after that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if some people out there feel the same way, they do the same thing. Kudos to those who can just wing it. I know Ashley's big into that. She doesn't need to write out a workout. She'll just go and, and get it done. And she has an amazing workout. So everybody might be a little bit different in that sense, but to begin with the end in mind, for me, I really want to visualize, right? You want to visualize what the end result's gonna gonna look like. And and it even dates back to, to basketball in high school. I would always picture, you know, the game. I would always mentally envision myself playing and and it really provides that power to the moment. Um, same thing with work, you know, and I think for me, those days where I would go into work and I would just feel like it was, I was in a funk was because I didn't have any direction. I didn't have any big goals and, and kind of priorities that I needed to get done or that I had written down. So I was going in and just kind of seeing, okay, where am I needed the most? Where am I, where, where's my help needed? And that's, that's not the way to go guys. I think the, the, the kind of goal that we're trying to get here is you want to be able to plan your day out, your week out and have that sense of accomplishment that you are inching your way towards this goal, towards this bigger vision and this bigger purpose. But as we speak about goals and priorities, we're moving on to habit number three. And habit number three is called put first things first. Now to me, this shouts focus on your priorities, right? Put first things first, which I have been guilty of not doing many times in the past. And and this is essentially how we get sidetracked, right? And there's a great quote from Peter Drucker from his book, The Effective Executive. And I know Ashley and I have mentioned this on a previous episode, but managers focus on doing things right while leaders focus on doing the right things. Now, if you think about that quote, it, it talks about what he calls focused contribution. And the biggest thing is, is that if you're a manager, and, and trust me, I was I was the epitome of this manager, where you're just focused on managing what's in front of you. And nine times out of 10, that's micromanaging. Managing what's in front of you, just checking things off, making sure things are done right, going in and seeing, talking to your the people who are essentially that you're leading and managing and making sure that they're doing things right. You're simply a manager that's checking things off and doing things right. That does not sound like leading and it doesn't sound like you're putting first things first either. Like what does your agenda look like as a leader, right? 
And so the second half of that quote, leaders focus on doing the right things. Now, now don't get me wrong. Like leaders, the reason they're in a leadership role is, is nine times out of 10, they show integrity. They've been doing things right. And so at that point, they know what the difference is from me walking into one of, one of my businesses and saying, you know what? Yes, we can focus on X, Y, and Z. These seem like really small things to focus on right now the more pressing issue and that's kind of one of our bigger priorities is what we need to pay attention to and so a leader is able to differentiate what these small tasks are that they can easily get sidetracked on and what the bigger focuses are and there's an example um i'm not sure if some of y'all have seen the youtube video but it's essentially an example on priorities and it's it's a professor in front of his class and he puts a jar a mason or not a mason jar yeah it might be a mason jar on his on his desk and he begins to fill them up with big rocks just big rocks and you know obviously as you can as you can envision and picture there's a couple of big rocks maybe 10 to 12 big rocks that fill it up and then he dumps in a couple of small rocks pebbles and they kind of scatter and they fall in between the big rocks and then he dumps sand and, and the sand, it kind of weasels its way through all of it and it fills up the rest. Now, when you think about this analogy, the big rocks are your priorities. The small rocks are your middle size, you know, minor priorities. Um, and then your sand are just your super small tasks, right? And I used this with my teams and my, and my leaders many times because what we found was and again, I'm guilty of this too, is our focus is so much on the sand that we fill up our day with sand, which are your very small tasks. And if you picture that, if your jar is filled up with sand, you're not getting any of those big rocks or any of those small rocks, right? And so what we want to really focus on are those big rocks, are those priorities, is really putting first things first. And so what you want to be able to do, and this could be, you know, a great little practice for you is really line out what, what you have as your big priorities, your middle sized tasks, and then of course your small tasks. And a lot of those middle sized and small tasks can really be delegated. They can be pushed off. Um, there's a really great activity. It's, it's escaping my mind right now, but it's called essentially, you know, urgent, immediate, and it, it's it's basically a chart. So you guys can look this up, but it, it's essentially how you prioritize. And looking at this chart was a really big game changer for me because it started to shift my mind of thinking like, man, you know what? I'm really focused on a lot of this quote unquote sand and it's taken up a lot of my day where, you know, I could be focused on these big priorities. And and if we think about it, guys, all of us have heard the term time management. I, I say, you know, we can all manage our time throughout the day, but I think what we need to really focus on, and there's a lot of research on there, is that we focus on priority management, right? Because if you think about it, if we're not managing the correct priorities, we can spend our entire eight to 10 hour workday focused on the wrong tasks that are not moving the needle, right? Would you rather complete two to three of your big rock focuses that have a huge impact on, on your business? Or would you rather say, hey, I completed you know eight low-hanging fruit tests that were really you know insignificant, they didn't have any impact, and I mean, you most likely feel super drained and burned, burned out at the end of that day, but it's a no-brainer to me. And I think we've all been guilty of you know being in that latter situation where you finish your day and you're just like, man, where did the day go? What did I even do today? I was doing so many random little things. And um, this is essentially where we're going back to. So effective individuals really focus on 
putting first things first and focus on those top priorities. But as you can see, guys, that rounded out our journey from our dependent stage into independent stage. And so, as you can see, as I mentioned, those were our personal victories, being proactive, beginning with the end in mind and putting first things first. A lot of this stuff is happening internally. And so we want to say, you know what, I've established these three solid habits and maybe they're not at perfection. You know, we're all still working on this journey to continue to be more effective individuals. But you get to the point where you're saying, you know what, like, I've got these down, I got a good handle on these. So now we're gonna venture into getting to an independent and interdependent stage. And these are called public victories in the book. So habit number four is think win-win. Now, what's what's your first thought that, that happens when you think that? Think win-win. How many of us have gone into a difficult conversation with the mindset, you know what, I want both of us to win this conversation right? You know, maybe every now and then chances are it's not many, but that's not, that's not necessarily, you know, the name of the game. Our our goal should be to always think win-win as, as effective individuals. If you go into a conversation, you should be thinking, you know what? I want a positive outcome. Your default mindset shouldn't say, you know, I'm teaching them a lesson and I'm going to, I'm going to go and show them that this was wrong and this is how they need to do it. And we've all been guilty, guys. We've all been there. And that's just, of course, not the way to go. So a couple of key differences that that Stephen Covey mentions in the book. So he talks about, you know, our our win-win situation, right? Win-win is essentially, that is the goal. That's having the positive outcome or at least a mutual consensus between both parties. But you should always want to go in there and say, you know what? I want us both to benefit from this conversation and here's how we're going to do it. There he also talks about win-lose, right? That's the one I was just mentioning. So I'm gonna win this conversation, you're gonna lose, and you're gonna learn this lesson. There's also lose-win, which is also not an effective approach, which is, you know what, I don't mind if I lose or am subservient in this conversation, as long as they're happy, as long as they win and they see me you know, as, as a nice leader which that's not the way to go. And, and I have an entire episode on this topic where we talk about just the ne- negative effects of being too humble at times and being caught in this subservience uh, dynamic. But um, there's also that final one, which is lose-lose. You know, I don't even know if anybody does this. I, I can't give it a, an exact example, but um, basically both people in the conversation they don't really care if they if they lose. So I mean, that's I, I don't know. It's a little it's a little interesting one, but um, you know, a lot of this has to do with going into difficult conversations, guys. As I mentioned, this was a lesson that I learned really early on in my career. And and don't get me wrong, tough conversations are always difficult and challenging to navigate. But if you have the expertise, the training, the practice, and the mindset, emotional control, you know, a lot of factors you can go into these conversations with this win-win mindset and have that be the outcome. Now, don't get me wrong, guys. There are situations, we've all been involved in them, whether it's really negative, having to terminate somebody, having to write somebody up, whatever the case may be. And you know, the other person might not like that outcome. Again, you can't control that situation, but what you can control are a couple of key things. And I wanna give a couple of key tips for those of y'all who are, are in positions, maybe, you have an upcoming difficult conversation you have to step in. Maybe you're a manager, a leader, and you have to talk to one of your employees, whatever the case may be. But to establish this win-win outcome, number one, you have to establish trust with that person. I think 
and don't try establishing the trust just right there at the conversation because I think you it'll it'll come off really fake if that's not the person you are. But this is preferably done in advance, and I think you know Ashley does a great j- job of explaining this. She's mentioned this on several episodes where you build up that relationship and that trust. And that's how you get that team buy-in. So when you have these difficult conversations, they know you're coming from a loving, a loving place. You know, it's, it's, you want to say tough love, but as John Gordon says, you got to love tough. And I, and I really like that saying because it's true. Um, number two is always think positive intent. And so you want to go into the conversation. This is a big one for me. I think if I can pick one quick little tip going into a difficult conversation immediately think how can i make this as positive as possible always think positive intent what that means guys is that when you go into a conversation you need to check your emotions first you need to be able to say you know what okay like this may be a difficult conversation but this isn't personal i want to make sure that i have a positive mindset and a positive outcome with this and so i want to say how much can i help them in this situation so i can provide guidance and mentorship so that this doesn't happen again. Another great point is you want to focus on the end goal of the conversation and ensure, as I just mentioned, we're aiming to help the other person. This should be a way to say, you know what, this is just a a hiccup, a speed bump in your development and I want to help you get to that next point. So how can I further help you get there? Um, If you come from a position of helping guys, you're, you're still having that servant mindset, then it should be a win-win outcome every single time. Now, if if you've given this all, you know, positive intent, you focus on the goal, you provided the recognition where it's due, so you kept the conversation light, and in your head you're like, man, it, it, this is going to be a win-win situation, and they still feel a certain way about it. Again, guys, you can't control every situation, but you don't want to put yourself in that position where you're not showing that level of respect and they do have something to say about you. So you want to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward and you're focusing on these keys to having an effective, difficult conversation. But just think about that, guys. Think about the power and the effectiveness that someone has who can really navigate a tough conversation like this. I mean, that's it's incredible and it's the goal. It's a goal for leadership. It's a goal for just being an overall effective human being as well. But next up, guys, we got habit number five, and this one is my favorite, hands down, always been my favorite, still my favorite, and the reason it is my favorite is because I'm constantly catching myself doing this and needing to work on it, but habit number five is seek first to understand, then to be understood. How many of us jump to conclusions? How many of us make assumptions when we know we shouldn't be, right? Um the majority of us can raise our hand if we're being honest. And so I think to be an effective person and and Stephen Covey puts this beautifully is we must always be curious. We must always seek first to understand a situation. And that's empathy for you. Um, Seek first to understand, then to be understood. If you have a point that you do need to get across, make sure that we're getting the entirety of the situation first, ask questions, be curious and say, Hey, you know, maybe we didn't meet this goal this month, but you know, help me like help me understand what happened. Like where where did we fall short? And then maybe you can provide some guidance after the fact. You've got all the information down. Then you can say, you know what? Okay, cool. I think what we can do here in this situation is X, Y, and Z, right? 
um, there's an old saying, the one usually speaking the most knows the least. And, and I, I highly believe that because I've seen it happen many times. I probably done that a time or two or been in a situation or a meeting where you know, Mr. Know-it-all kind of thinking that you can just kind of say whatever you're going to say, but it's a matter of, are you listening? And, and to listen is such a strong and effective trait to have. And so um, there's also another saying, I think from Simon Sinek, basically saying practice being the last person to speak in, in a meeting. And that's a really difficult, difficult quality to practice. So, um, so I guess, you know, in the end, guys, we just have to be quiet. We have to seek first to understand the situation, then to be understood. If you do have further expectations to correct on, on whatever the situation is, right? But there was many situations where, you know, as this example, I would go into, you know, one of my one of my locations and and maybe something wasn't to the standard that we've practiced and coached on. And and I would just jump to conclusions, jump, jump to a certain situation. Maybe there was a, a negative, you know, customer service review that came in and, and I'm kind of going down the, you know, going down the manager's throat. It's like, what happened with this? What happened with that? And maybe I wasn't yelling like that. I'm just exaggerating, but, um, I'm really kind of coming at it from an angle where I'm not curious and asking questions. And, and some of the times I felt really dumb when, and, and after the fact I would have to, you know, quickly apologize. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I probably should have asked, you know, before jumping to conclusions on that. But a lot of the times my manager would come back and say, yeah, you know, this particular situation we had, this this circumstance actually happened at that exact same time so if we don't know the entirety of the situation guys then we aren't really being an effective individual effective leader and so our whole goal is to always be listening active listening being an empathic listener seeking first to understand then to be understood during situations all right and rounding out our public victories guys is happen number six synergize now I was a little confused on this one. I, I hadn't even heard the word synergize when I when I left this. Sounds like jazzercise or something, but uh, synergize. If you guys look it up, it's essentially it's all about the teamwork here. It's it's essentially leaning on another person, right? Being able to work well with somebody else. And and another saying that comes to mind whenever I think of of syner, synergize is that every great leader is also a great follower. If you notice that, guys, there's individuals out there who you guys can look up to and say, man, this was probably my my most highly respected manager. This was the best leader I've ever worked for. You know, we say it all the time. And some of the things that made them such great leaders were that they're great with people and they understand how to listen and let others lead in situations. And, and that's all about empowering others to rise to the occasion, to rise to their strengths. And so... That's what Synergize is all about. You can't be an effective individual going at it alone. This was always, you know, personally challenging for me as somebody who is more introverted than extroverted and prefer my own space. And and how, how many of us would rather work on a project ourselves than, than with others? You know, there's there's probably quite a few of us out there. Maybe maybe we're we're more comfortable working by ourselves, whatever the case may be but this doesn't make for an effective person or a leader and and again you guys got to got to remember as a leader as a company you know we can't go at it alone we can't do things by ourselves so leaning on others for their strengths ideas and input is super essential so in our journey 
towards being a more effective person and being a more effective leader, we always want to think about building our personal brand of somebody who's not only independent, because you remember guys, we came from the dependent stage. We're here at this independent stage trying to provide this value, but we don't only want to say we're an independent and an individual contributor. We also very much want to be seen as interdependent and that can not only work well with others, but can also allow others to step up and lead and will be okay following, right? And so the word interdependence is all about that. It's a dependence and cooperation of two or more people. And so to be an effective leader, you not only need to be independent, you need to be interdependent. You need to be able to work well with others. And that's a huge, huge point here. And guys, we're at our final habit here with the seven habits of highly effective people. And habit number seven is sharpening the saw or sharpen the ax, as I like to say. But this is the last one, guys, and one of our core values at the Strong Society, which is growth. So sharpening the saw is all about growth. It's all about growing. And to be effective, we have to know that we don't know everything and we must always be lifelong learners of growth. So be curious, ask questions, be inspired to try new things, change habits. That's what it means to be an effective leader, effective person, to be adaptable, to be able to pivot when needed. Now, I've worked with many managers and leaders out there, and and it's unfortunate sometimes because I almost feel that it takes me back to when I first started as a general manager, as an assistant manager, as a, as a regional manager, and learning these lessons along the way. And I think the biggest thing that I can do moving forward and that I was practicing was teaching everything to the leaders that I was overseeing at the very end, but being able to teach them a lot of the lessons that I learned. And one of the biggest ones was for them to continue expanding their knowledge. We can't stop where we're at. We can't say, you know what, you know, I know enough um, and, and have that fixed mindset essentially, but I I know enough and, and I'm good. You have to continue expanding your growth. Those are the best leaders out there, the ones who are continuing to grow to say, man, I'm still curious. I'm still a sponge. I'm, I'm reading and li- listening to podcasts and growing as much as I can. Because nine times out of 10, if the leader's growing, their team's growing, their team sees that and they say, you know what, man, my leader is such an inspiration to me that I want to be in their position one day and I want to be able to inspire others as well. And it's unfortunate, and I've seen the opposite end of that spectrum where managers and leaders, and and I'm not sure if we can even call them leaders, but managers would come in day to day. They're just doing what's on their task sheet, right? They're very task oriented. They're not expanding their growth. They're clocking in, clocking out, and going home. And, you know, as they say, they're a bottleneck to their team's growth. They're a bottleneck to the company. And so we want to be able to find leaders who are going to continue sharpening the saw, continue expanding their knowledge and developmental skills and continue to inspire others to do the same. But that's it guys. Those are the seven habits of highly effective people. And to quickly recap, so we can all jot them down really quickly. Number one was be proactive. Habit number two was begin with the end in mind. Habit number three was put first things first. Habit number four was think win-win. Habit number five, and my favorite, was seek first to understand, then to be understood. Habit number six was to synergize. And habit number seven was to sharpen the saw. But guys, I want to thank you so much again for joining me on today's episode. And I hope that I was able to give you a quick look into seven powerful habits for us to all be more effective at what we do. 
If you enjoyed hearing these habits, then you have to grab the book by Stephen Covey to really get his further insight on these habits as well. But our goal here at The Strong Society is to add as much value to y'all's lives so y'all can go out there and own it, whatever's in front of you, and just really take it to that next level. But new episodes of The Strong Society podcast are uploaded weekly, so be sure to like and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to follow our social pages on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for more awesome content. If there's anything we can do to support you and your goals, don't hesitate to drop us a message. We'd love to hear from you guys, okay? Laters, everybody. Have a great day.